Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Vent. This is Vent Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Let's get it cracking. Hey, and welcome to Vent Weekly. I'm Nuruddin. And I'm Santos. Each episode, we get to the bottom of a topic that we think is really important. Today is the end of Sport Relief, a campaign raising money for Comic Relief. But this time last year, Comic Relief got into some trouble around their other biannual campaign, Red Nose Day. They became part of the white saviour debate. But what is a white saviour? And how can charities avoid endorsing them? I'm not sure what a white saviour is. Mad, never heard about it. Someone that only likes white people. It's a person who wants to make the world better. If they're actually being real, then it's not a problem, you know what I mean? I know it sounds racist, fam. Like, for clout and that, innit? If, if they're doing it for clout, of, of course it's wrong. This week we've brought vice journalist Deepo Florian into the studio to get into white saviours and white privilege. Hey Deepo, how's it going? Hey guys, what's up? All, all good, good, all good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No Thanks problem. Thanks for being here. So Deepo, what is a white saviour? It's something that can be quite difficult to explain to people because when you hear the term white saviour, the first thing you think of is, well, that's a good thing because like everyone loves a saviour, everyone loves a hero because like they save things that need saving. But this doesn't speak to that, it speaks to a particular phenomenon among the Western world where people, white people in particular, go to Africa and they center themselves in the stories that come out of Africa. So they go there and they see Africa as this crumbling mound of red soil where everyone is poor, everyone is suffering. And the only way that they can get out of that suffering is if someone like themselves comes and saves them. And that is basically what people mean when they talk about white saviors. Well, what I would like to know is about how and when, you know, this whole white saviour thing started? It actually goes back to colonialism. At the heart of colonialism was this idea that the Western world would go to Africa and places and they would discover them and they would bring white culture to those places because they felt that the native culture was effectively subhuman. It wasn't quite developed enough. And this has continued ever since, up until probably the most famous case from... Uh, the last 30, 40 years was during the Band-Aid, Do They Know It's Christmas, the famous charity single. At first, when the single first came out, everyone was like, well, this is great. You know, this is something that will help Africa and will change the world, you know, because it's actually getting people using celebrities to get people interested in the cause. But then since then, people have started paying a bit more attention to the lyrics um, and realizing that actually this is actually very harmful to Africa because it paints Africa as this crumbling mess of a country. You know, it talks about how nothing ever grows in Africa. 
and how people don't even know it's Christmas at all. And it's like, that just isn't true. Like there's 1.7 billion people in Africa, double the amount of people that's in Europe. Um, everyone's experiences are very different. There is poverty in Africa, but there's also people like living well. And so that has basically been something that has continued as we've seen in the news. With particular instances over the last couple of years, you know, it's still something that's a huge problem. I just wanted to ask examples of any white saviors, like who have been called white saviors, any celebrities, are they really doing the right thing or are they just named white saviors by hateful media? Um, well, I think it's, it's always nice to assume that people's intentions are good. It's just that what we see often is that people aren't willing to listen to those uh, in Africa who are saying, actually, this is incredibly harmful to us. Uh, the biggest example is probably Comic Relief. Um, their entire business model is based on really short footages of celebrities like Ed Sheeran in small remote villages holding babies who are seen to be on the verge of death. Their parents are nowhere to be seen. There's flies everywhere. They're in dilapidated hospitals. And these images are played every single year because the assumption is that uh, that's the only way people will donate money. People feel um, empathetic, yeah. feel empathetic yeah. and they'll be like, well, you know, we have to donate money to this cause. The problem with that is that, for example, if they go to the Congo and they show uh, footages of people looking poor and unhappy and unwell, you might donate a tenner, but you're never going to want to go on holiday there. Exactly. And that would make a far bigger difference to those economies if you actually went on holiday and spent 100 quid on accommodation, on food, on nightlife, rather than spending a tenner on... Contributing to their econo economy is yeah, exactly. much better than sending a tenner, which is only going to last for a couple of meals. Yeah. yeah, and we don't necessarily know where that money's going, going because... Or the breakdown of it. Exactly. David Lammy, the MP for Tottenham, gave an example of how his son was uh, asked by his school to raise money for Red Nose Day. And so, you know, David Lammy as a parent wanted to ask his son, you know, why are you raising this money? Like, you know, where does it go to? And his, and all his son knew was that there were poor people in Africa. And his son did not understand that Africa is a continent of 54 countries. And so if you then try to ask him, well, but where in Africa? And he just seems he's going to grow up thinking Africa is just a terrible place. I read up on his um, tweet as well, David Lamb's yeah. tweet. He was just basically arguing that the role of comic relief, like it's a very vital role that it plays. It's, yeah. it's got loads of people that watch it. Those are people that donate as well. So they should be using their platform to give a more nuanced view. Because yeah. he was responding specifically to uh, the journalist Stacey Dooley. Stacey Dooley, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And she was doing a bit for Comic Relief and she posted a photo holding uh, a, a black baby. child yeah. on her Instagram with a bunch of heart emojis talking about how she was obsessed with this child. This is a child that she only met, you know, hours earlier, if up to that. Never had a conversation with this child. She posted this photo and immediately people were like, well, this doesn't seem to add up in the sense that this is not a relative of yours. It's not a family friend of yours. Why are you just picking up a random black child and using him as a prop for your Instagram? Because it's just something that you would never do in London. Like you would never just be walking down the street, see a cute child, no matter how cute they are and pick them up. Like no parent would let you do that. It would be weird. People would lose their minds yeah. if you did that. So why is it acceptable to do it here? And the problem is because by the time they get to these villages, they no longer see these people as people. They just see them as help. And there comes the white saviorism 
So we have these white saviors who are celebrities, musicians, mm. and you know they spend a lot of time like on on the face of TV and whatnot. Would you say there are more of those white saviors or more undercover white saviors? It's like it's like a sort of like white savior partnership, really. Um, a, a very famous trope of gap years are people wanting to spend a month or so out in Africa, and Instagram is full of people posting photos with themselves in the middle of a, you know a family of black kids, and and you see that so often. You know, people don't even people just assume that that's what you do. You know, you get a whole uh, bunch of black kids together. You sit in the middle and you show how much they love you and how excited they are and how you changed their lives and how you gave them some joy among amid their bleak life. And so, when someone like Stacey Dooley does it, you're almost a lot for a lot of her fans. They were like, they've seen it so much, they can't understand why you know, someone like her is getting a lot of criticism because that's just what most people are used to seeing. Expanding on that, would you think that a lot of these like social media influencers and musicians, you know, kind of use this as a, as a way to maybe benefit themselves? Like, would you say a, an artist might take a trip to Africa and take one of those kind of pictures on a week that they have a single coming out to get, you know, more attention online and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. And they do it because it works. They don't have to make a huge amount of effort. Um, all they need to do is just show that they were there. And it's easy to show that you were there and doing work because everyone is already primed to, when they hear the word Africa and you're in Africa, they already expect that you are around poverty. And the only reason why you'd be going to Africa is to help Africans. It's the same, yeah. My friend was going on holiday. I told him, he, he said, I'm going to Africa. I was like, oh, we're in Africa. He said, I'm going to Cape Verde. I was like, oh. That's like a actual destination holiday resort. He's taking pictures, yeah. showed me like the coast, everything mm. is. And if he would just say I was going Africa, I'd be like, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? No, it's, no, it's I can little, see that. Like, it's, it's different scenery to what people think. Exactly. It's completely different. As you said, like it's when you see Africa not as a place, not as somewhere with an incredible history and the most incredible cultures, when you see it as being there for you to show how empathetic you are. That's what has come from the white savior complex. It's not treating Africa as a place, it's instead just treating it as uh, an end to a means to, sh to show that you are someone who is doing good in the world. And that's just how an entire continent's being treated. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So I think it's good what they're doing. I would say, in a sense, it might be good, but then you think about the history. If it's a thing where you're just doing it for an image. They're going to come and just like do something for clout, basically, because they want people to think that they're doing something for someone, but they're not. Africa has been depleted of all its riches, and people are now saying, we want to help Africa. 
Like, what's the most extreme case you've ever come across in this whole white saviorism subject? There was recently a documentary called The British Tribe Next Door by Channel 4, where they sent Scarlett Moffat and her entire family over to Namibia um, to spend time uh, with this tribe out there. And they basically lifted her entire house and rebuilt it uh, right next to this tribe to kind of show this tribe what running water and homes look like and uh, electricity and what staircases look like. And it immediately got panned before it went live. It got panned because it was like, well, this just sounds ridiculous. It sounds absurd. You don't need this white family to go all the way to Namibia to explain to people that they live in a way that's different from everyone else. A few hours drive from where uh, this tribe lives are bustling Namibian cities. Like they are very aware that they live a life that is different from lots of other people. If you were generally interested in introducing that tribe to a different world, you could easily just get Namibians who live a few hours away to come over and you can have an interesting discussion between them about what it means to live in the modern world. And so I think that the the response to that, the way that uh, it got uh, completely panned and received a huge amount of negative reviews, hopefully means that people are a bit a bit wise to it now and hopefully it'll be a lot harder uh, for celebrities to get away with it in the future so there are a lot of other titles along the lines of white savior you know like white privilege how do do these titles you know connect white privilege speaks to just the reality that for a lot of white people their race will never be a stumbling block towards their development Um, so it's about sort of self-awareness Uh, both white privilege and white saviorism. It's not to condemn anyone necessarily, but it's to say, look, just be a little bit more aware of your own situation and our own situation, and then let's adapt to that, let's recognise that, and then from there we can together hopefully build ways forward so that everyone can thrive and everyone can do well, regardless of their race, uh, nationality, and their hopefully their economic circumstances. And just off that, you know, there's poverty all over the world. Yeah. Why do you think these media companies, you know, generally they they target, it seems like they target Africa. Why do you think they do that? Because I think it's a sense of power as well over this continent, over these people. I think there is, it's it's just this pervading thing that's happened for centuries. Um, Just being able to look down upon all these people and then it makes you feel good that you're able to go in there and help and make a difference and make someone smile for a day because you've assumed that they never smile and they're never happy. And so, and it's also just harder to look at what's going on in your own country. It's something that you can dive into temporarily and then completely ignore for the rest of the year. So you can, you know, you can focus on Red Nose Day and comic relief for about a week and then pretend like no other poverty exists. Like it doesn't exist in your own city, in your own town, on your own street. Um, it's easy to think that poverty is something that is millions of miles away. Without the term white saviour labelled on someone, could international aid be given to Africa? So without labelling them as being saviours or just what are they called, philanthropists? Like I've got no clue, what what would you, how would you define that international aid without being called a saviour? Yeah, I mean, there's, the reality is, is that there's a lot of work that can be done across the continent. And the reasons for that, a lot of it is because of colonialism. The reason why a lot of countries, uh, still have high rates of poverty is because of colonialism, because, you know, I'm Nigerian and Nigeria is, as a country is 60 years old. Like my parents are older than Nigeria. And so 
these countries have had to form and develop and become modern in an incredibly short period of time. They had to do all of this after the British came and built incredibly dodgy lines and forced multiple cultures together to live as one under laws that they were never used to. That development has taken time. And so there's lots of room for work to be done to help uh, countries reconcile a lot of these historical differences. But the reality is that people are doing that on the ground. And there are experts on the ground who have been doing that sort of work for decades. And so if anyone, and I welcome anyone who wants to go to Namibia or Nigeria or Somalia or... I've seen a lot. When I was in Somalia in 2013, there were a lot of, dare I say, white people Mm. But and they were living as normal people. Yeah. Like they set up house there, they shop at the places that I shopped at. Like there was no difference. And, yeah. Well, when I'm asked them what their purpose is here, yeah. like they're either working in terms of landscaping, civil engineering, because the place is so large and there's so much acres of space to do stuff. Yeah. So if he's there, bringing positivity and actually like doing stuff, you yeah. know what I'm saying, not doing bad stuff yeah if you're thinking about going out there you know go on holiday there exactly go and set up a business there and if you want to work in the development sector you know work with charities on the ground who can point you in the right direction uh, to organizations that can do a lot of great work um because a lot of the philanthropy that takes place across the continent uh happens from you know wealthy, wealthy africans people. on the ground yeah. you know but people don't expect that like i'm really really after hearing what you said like on par with your views like they've really opened my eyes to what is going on externally as much as internal i do feel like there is a percentage of people who genuinely want to help even if they don't have the means to to actually go out to africa and do it then they will donate i think the the nature of charity always has to be assessed and we have to continue to develop new ways based on our modern world i mean everything is changing now And so the focus can be on things like internet connectivity. You know, you can have schools, but now that the entire world is run on the internet, that's just as important, you know, as what we consider traditionally the basic necessities of life, like food, water, electricity. And so that's when you start thinking, you know, but if you said to people now, oh, donate money to make sure that, you know, a kid has Wi-Fi, they're thinking, well, you know, no, that's not that's not really how, that's not my expectation. Like, why would they need Wi-Fi? They don't have computers, they don't have schools. Like, no, they really, really do. Like, you look at something like um, Nollywood, for example, which is the Nigerian film industry. And it's like, it's bigger than Hollywood. Like, they make more films than, than Hollywood. Yeah, and people are just making stuff really quick, getting stuff filmed out there. They want to be able to push out to the rest of the world. They want to make money. They want to, you know, come to London and screen stuff here and reach out to the rest of the world. And... That's where you then think, well, let me invest in that because that's how people are going to support themselves and make money. And, you know, again, like going back to what I was saying earlier about it is there are opportunities to do good work. And if you are going to do good work, just mind the way you behave. You know, I when I wrote the piece about white savior uh, complex for vice, I sort of said at the end, you know, if this is something that you want to do, if you want to go out there and make a difference and you're wondering how to act, just think, how would you act in a homeless shelter in London? Like you wouldn't, at the end of your time there, stop everyone and say, everyone come around, let's take a photo and put yourself in the middle. Like you just wouldn't, if you saw a child running around, you wouldn't just grab a random child and take a photo of them and then put them on your Instagram. 
Like it's just incredibly disrespectful and dehumanizing. That's probably the realest thing I've heard all week, you know. Trust me. Definitely gonna leave and you know do a bit more research in, into the whole, you know, yeah, white you savior complex. Yeah. Talk to your friends. Hundred percent. I'm yeah. gonna let them know. You said hundred percent at the same. You said hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Sick. Oh. God, that has, that Come has on. to go in. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> see that Fast and Furious I think it was number 5 or something when they shot it in the favela in Brazil yeah. they say are probably one of the most like biggest places where poverty exists do you think that it's like that, that shouldn't be fair bro they're there shooting a million dollar movie, movie somewhere yeah. where people have nothing bro bro exactly there's movies that film people and have concepts based on people that are poor and like there's a I think a cartoon that I watched where the old woman was based off of a person a poor person in a favela and they made her like exactly the same she didn't get paid a penny for it they used her story her face her, everything about her for nothing do you know what i'm saying so trying to they get, they, out, yeah, they're getting exploited out here for personal financial gain man that's not good it's a crazy world we live in fam it's a crazy world no it's a cold world we live in that's <laughs> <laughs> i got to say Thank you for listening to Vent Weekly. I've been Nuruddin. And I've been Santos. And thanks a lot to Depot for coming in to chat. You can find more articles from Depot on Vice.com. This episode was produced by the Vent Production team. Jess Lawson, Emilia Gill, Moeed Majid and Kamaya Sheikhau. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.